0: Welcome to another episode of the Hope Prison Ministries podcast, Not a Square Inch. And today we're going to be discussing rights. It seems to be a very popular topic. You hear people saying, we have the right to this, we have the right to that. We're going to look at what we really have the right to, according to a, from a biblical perspective. So stay tuned and I hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Thank you.
1: not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. This is Not a Square Inch, the new podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. The goal is to help you see all of life through the lens of scripture. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org.
0: Okay, today we're going to be discussing what human rights are from a biblical perspective. I think it's super important that we consider this, uh, given the climate that we are in today, and we're going to discuss certain specific things that people claim to have the right to do, and we're going to look at those from a biblical perspective. The first thing that I want to uh, to kind of just preface this whole thing, I think it's very important when you start discussing rights or you start talking about What are we entitled to as human beings and specifically as Christians? Because this podcast ultimately is to the Christian. It's to help you learn how to think biblically, to interpret all of life through the lens of Scripture, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Remember what we've said, what the quote says at the very beginning, there isn't a square inch in the whole domain over of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. So there isn't any decision that you make uh, in ultimate life, in reality, in living day to day, in dealing with other people, in your relationship to God, that Christ doesn't claim dominion over. If we are Christians, we belong to Christ body and soul. And why is that? Well, this is, this should be the kind of the presupposition or the framework around which you interpret all of your rights, around which we interpret all of our rights. The first thing that you need to know, this is from a quote in an article, and I will be posting the link to the article online. But it says, from an entirely ethical standpoint, our only right is that of eternal damnation because of our sinful nature. When seen from a Christian standpoint, human rights are what we should have by nature of being created in the image of God. But in this regard, the only rights are to be able to multiply, use the earth, rule over animals, and those are rights given to mankind, not necessarily to individuals. But what is our ultimate right? Apart from the grace of God, the Bible says the only thing that we're entitled to is to die and go to hell. Think about that. The only thing that we are entitled to is to die and go to hell were it not for the grace of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 very common for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and Romans 6:23 the wages of sin are death. So the only thing that we're actually entitled to by birth, by our rights if you will is according to scripture because we were born in sin and we willfully sinned even Even if you, there are lots of denominations that have something called an age of accountability and a lot of other things to kind of cloud the issue. Even if you assume that there's an age of accountability, Augustine in his book, Confessions, talks about you can see the work of the sinful nature in us from Infancy, You can see the work of the sinful nature. You don't have to teach a child to be greedy. You don't have to teach a child not to fight over a toy, not to cry when they're angry. All of these different things. You can see the work of the sinful nature at work in us from early, early infancy. And so by according to Scripture, the Bible says that all of us are born in sin. All of us are born worthy of eternal judgment from the from the jump. All of us. Nobody is exempted from this. Now, when you start interpreting your rights, when you say, I have the right to, you might say, and let let me be clear, some of these things, they're not always bad. But you could take even good things and make them into a right to which you're really not entitled according to Scripture. You could say, I have the right to a good marriage. I have the right to be treated respectfully by my spouse. I have the right to a good income. I have the right to not be taken advantage of by an employer. I have the right not to be abused or to abuse. I have the right to do this or to do that or whatever the case may be. You could frame anything under the heading of, I have the right to do something. But in reality, if we look at things from a biblical perspective— We have to start with the framework that says, the presupposition that says, the only thing that we're really entitled to do is to be judged guilty according to our sin and to be sentenced to eternal damnation. And the only thing that separates that, that changes that, is the immense grace of God and the salvation that if you're a Christian you have in Christ alone. Think about that. You're really not, I'm really not, we're really not entitled to anything apart from the grace of God except for eternal judgment and a judgment of flames, a judgment of eternal hell and damnation apart from the grace of God. That's the only thing that the Bible says we're truly entitled to. And if you start, if we start from that premise, if we start from that presupposition, how differently would we live? How differently would we treat others? How differently would we bring glory to God? How much more would we bring glory to God by living with this one basic presupposition? I am not entitled to anything except judgment and damnation. And anything that I get any privilege that I'm given, any right that I claim must be claimed in light of the fact that it is 100% a gift from God, from the grace of God, unmerited, undeserved. Think about that. Arthur Pink was a great theologian, and I've never forgotten that in his book, The Sovereignty of God, The Attributes of God, I forget which one it was, I think it was The Attributes of God, he was talking about the grace of God. And he said some people define grace as unmerited favor. He said he really doesn't think that that definition does the grace of God justice, because grace is much more than unmerited favor, it is demerited favor. And he gave the example of a man who would come and say, can I have five dollars? And you might say, sure, I can give you $5. And you give him $5. And that was grace. It was unmerited in some sense. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. He didn't work for it. You just gave it to him. But if the week before that person, that same person had come and robbed me and beaten me and taken everything that I owned and then came to me the following week, knowing that some money that I'd somehow come into some more money and they said, Would you please forgive me? And would you please give me $5? I need $5. And if I gave that person who had just beaten and robbed me and left me for dead $5, that would be more comparable to the grace of God. Because you see, with the grace of God, it's not just that we don't get what we deserve. It's that we get what we don't deserve too. It's not just that we don't get what we deserve. Hell. It's that we get what we don't deserve, too. Why? Because we've done things, sinful things, horrible things. And this is the incredible grace of God. What does the scripture say? God demonstrated his love toward us in this, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the glory of the gospel and the glory of this great God saving sinful humanity is that it's not just that we don't deserve, it's not just that we that we, that he shows mercy and grace to us as if we've done nothing wrong. No, far be it. It's actually that we have been enemies of God. We've fought against God. We've lived in rebellion against God. And the same God gives us great grace, great grace and saving mercy despite our sin, despite the worst we have ever done, despite the worst we will ever do. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Now, he died for us that we would no longer continue in that sin. But the point is that when God gives us grace, it's not that he's giving grace to somebody innocent. It's not that he's giving grace to somebody who's deserving or worthy. No, those would be wages, Paul says. If he gives us what we deserve, those are just wages. We're entitled to them. But if he gives us that which we don't deserve because of our sin, because of our rebellion against him, then that is grace. So when you think about these are my rights as a person, these are my rights as an individual created in the image of God or a citizen of the United States or whatever, mix that. Start with this. I'm entitled to nothing but judgment and damnation. But God, in His infinite grace and mercy, has given me more. I think if we start with this presupposition, we're going to live differently.
1: HopeAfterPrison.com We help locate transitional housing for those being released from prison, regardless of their crime. And when permitted, we connect those being released with one or more mentors from the local church. To learn more, please visit HopeAfterPrison.com. Okay, we're going to look at the scripture
0: now, and we're going to look at one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. We're going to look at Acts chapter 17. This is when Paul is addressing the men of the Areopagus, kind of like the intelligentsia think tank, a group of really intellectuals for that day. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands nor has he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath and all things note Nor is he worshipped, verse 25, with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth, and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as also some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead so what i want us to take from this passage is first of all the bible says that god created all men he gives life and breath to all men he determines their appointed dwellings and their boundaries and everything about them so If that is true, and of course, as Christians, we believe that is true. Since that is true, since it's true that God has created all men and that God has appointed their boundaries and dwellings, and God is the one who gives life and breath to all men, then it only makes sense what I'm about to say next. The source of rights is God and not man. We are only entitled to what God chooses in his sovereignty, in his providence, by his grace, to give us. You are entitled to nothing more and nothing less. I'm entitled to nothing more and nothing less. Remember our starting presupposition. The only thing we can really claim entitlement to is the judgment and wrath of God and an eternal hell. So starting from that presupposition, The only thing that we can claim entitlement to is the judgment and wrath of God in an eternal hell. And he is the one who gives us anything we get. Anything. Whether it's our birthplace, where we live, our parents, who our parents are, what kind of intelligence we have or don't have, what kind of riches we have or don't have, what kind of, you know, all of these different things. They are all ultimately determined by him now here's what i think paul one of the things paul is saying in this passage stop living as if you think you're entitled to something just because you are born in this country just because you are born an american just because you're born to certain parents just because you're born in you know some other country to certain parents or whatever the case may be stop assuming that you're entitled to anything no hey you're mistaking. This is God we're talking about. And God gives life and breath to all men. And God determines the boundaries in their dwellings. And God determines everything. He is, after all, God. Hello. You can call the name, whatever the name you want to use. But the reality is, if we're talking about the God, you would expect the God to be in control of everything. Otherwise, he wouldn't be worthy of the title. Okay, let's be real, folks. He wouldn't be worthy of the title. If God isn't in control, then he's not worthy of the title. This is what's so wrong with so much theology out there where people say God isn't in control where they say, he's, you know, he's dependent upon man to do this or to the, to that. You've heard your preacher say, God can't do anything. I've heard preachers say this. This is horrifying. Not on my preacher, not other preachers that I've sat under, but I have heard preachers say, I've seen them write it in their books. God can't do anything unless you let him. God can't do anything unless you pray it in. God is dependent upon your faith. Wow. What an injustice to the sovereign God of scripture that Paul here is speaking about. Paul says, Hey, God gives life and birth to everybody. He determines everything. He's in control. He's sovereign. He, you're not, you are not in control of anything. So stop living like we're entitled to things. Stop living to think we're entitled to shape God however we want, to kind of make him into our own little image, to say, oh, God would never do this. God would never do that. God doesn't hate people. God doesn't hate this. God doesn't hate that. No, look, the Bible does in fact say there are things God hates. And he actually calls individuals out, liars and thieves and adulterers, all these different things, these people who practice certain types of sin. All of these things, God says he hates that activity. Why? Because it goes against everything he created. And so there is, in fact, the wrath of God. And God wouldn't be God without the wrath of God. God wouldn't be God without the justice of God, the mercy of God. So there are things that God hates. There are people that God is, not, with whom God is not pleased. He has created them for a specific purpose. That's another topic for another day. But the bottom line that I want you to see here is we are not entitled to anything except God's judgment and wrath. And anything that we get is mercy. Anything that we get is grace. You cannot live, young person listen to me, old person listen to me, we cannot live as if we're entitled to anything. If we live as if we're entitled to anything, we are living in direct opposition to what God's word clearly teaches. There is nothing to which you're entitled. Nothing. Now, once you become a Christian, then you begin to receive certain things. But those, again, are not entitlements. They are not entitlements. They may be the benefits of being in the kingdom of God, but they're not entitlements. And at any moment, God, who is God, can take those things away. What does the Bible say? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. The Lord chooses, he rises up, he blesses, he condemns, he does all of those things. He takes hearts of stone out and puts in him hearts of flesh, or he leaves the hearts of stone in there. God does as he wills. We read this in an earlier lesson. God does as he wills among the inhabitants of earth and among the inhabitants of heaven, and there is no one that can say to him, why have you done this? God does as he wills. So there isn't anything to which you can say specifically that you or I are entitled. We don't have rights apart from the grace of God. That's a very important point. I want you to think about that. One, we are entitled to nothing except the judgment and wrath of God apart from the grace of God. We're born sinners, we're born rebellious, we've rebelled against God, and we have lived in defiance of God and His order. And so by Scripture, we're entitled to nothing except the wrath and judgment of God. If we get anything else, it's 100% grace and mercy.
1: InmateMentors.com Help us help your loved one. We write letters, send books, accept collect calls, help those incarcerated plan and prepare for release, and create parole packages. To learn more, please visit inmatementors.com. Romans chapter 13,
0: verse 1 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Years ago, when I was in a political science class at Oklahoma State University, I remember a professor began class by asking the question, who or what is the source of rights? And everybody kind of gave their answers. And then he said, popular sovereignty, we the people, we are the source of rights. And I raised my hand and I said, "Um, I kind of beg to differ with you on that, because the document to which you're referring when you say we the people, the Bill of Rights, The founding fathers who wrote that document said that they believed that the source of rights was God and not man, and that they were merely affirming inalienable rights that had been given to them by their creator. Now, we can go on and we can debate that Bill of Rights and we can break down each one of the individual rights that the Founding Fathers believed we were entitled to by being created in in the image of God and by being God's creation. We could go through each one of those. That's not the purpose here today. But what I want you to understand from this verse in Romans chapter 13 and from even from the document, the Bill of Rights, is that the source of rights is never man, it is always God. Remember in Acts that we just read before we went to the break. In Acts, he said that God gives life and breath to all men. He determines their boundaries. He determines their dwellings. He determines everything. Remember in Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar said, the Lord does what he wants among the inhabitants of earth and among the inhabitants of heaven. He does as he wills across the board. So, Since it is God who is the author of rights, we need to look to the scripture to determine what things we can claim. And and again, it's hard to say we can claim anything because remember, we're only entitled to the judgment and wrath of God. Anything else we have is grace and mercy. But within that grace and mercy, he gives us certain things that we can't, that he has outlined in scripture. He has said, okay, here's, here's some things that, you know, according to my law, you're entitled to. So God has given certain rights, but even then those, those rights are so in flux because of society, because of our lives, because of our rebellion, because of our not rebelling, because of people around us rebelling. I mean, there's so many variables, and that's why ultimately everything has to come back to the basic premise that there isn't anything to which I'm truly entitled except the wrath and judgment of God, and that the only thing that makes anything different is grace that God in his sovereignty and in his providence gives grace. He causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. He gives wealth to those who are wicked and he gives wealth to those who are godly. He takes wealth from those who are wicked and he takes wealth from those who are godly. He gives health to those who are wicked and he gives health to those who are godly. He takes health from those who are wicked and he takes health from those who are godly. God is sovereign over all of these things. And in his providence, he makes determinations about what he's going to do and how he's going to do it and as king nebuchadnezzar said in the old testament there isn't anything that you or i can say to him to change that there isn't anything that you or i can say that will restrain him or hold him back we are dependent upon the grace of god for our every breath John Piper once preached a sermon called Don't Waste Your Life. He said at any moment God could let me die and he would owe me nothing. No explanation, it would be entirely within his control. At any moment we could you in the audience could fall out of your chairs, you listening to me, you could get in a car wreck and you could die and the Lord would have done you no wrong. He gives life, he takes it away. It's in his hands. As I said earlier, what would you expect from god what would you expect from the person the the being the person that you worship as god you would expect them to be god totally completely in control not a hair falls from your head that he doesn't know now this can be very comforting it can also be very Challenging. It can be very discomforting. It can cause a lot of discomfort. It can cause a lot of unsettled feelings. If things are bad for you right now, you might be saying, well, if that's true, then why this? And we can get into that on another day. But the fact that God is sovereign, the fact that God is in control, the fact that nothing happens that isn't under his watchful eye, I can tell you for me, even when I'm going through things I don't understand, even when I'm, even when I'm completely clueless as to what God might be doing at my life in a given moment, at a given time. The fact that I know that God is holy and just and loving and that He is in control brings me tremendous peace and rest because I know that there isn't anything that comes to me that hasn't gone through Him. And we could talk more about that, but I want you to understand that the source of rights is God and not man. Anything and everything that we have that we feel like to which we're entitled, if it's biblical, it comes from God, not man. We can't make up these rights. What did Paul say in Acts? Hey, God commands everywhere to stop the stupidity, stop the ignorance, stop living as if you have the right to anything, Because God gives life and breath to all. God gives rights. God is the source of rights. Not you, not me. We can't claim rights to anything unless God himself has given them to us in his word. And even then, it gets sketchy because, like I said, there are so many variables that affect whether or not we have those rights on any given moment. Ultimately, everything is within the sovereignty of God. And since all we deserve is damnation, apart from God's grace, there's really nothing you can say. Anything you get less than damnation is more than you deserve. That's why Dave Ramsey, I think, is fond of the saying, better than I deserve. And that's why I say it almost any time somebody greets me. How are you? Better than I deserve. Why? Because anything that I get less than eternal judgment and damnation means I'm better than I deserve. Think about this. This week, you're going to have something come up. I know you are. Every one of us does. It may even be every day. You're going to have something come up and go, and you're going to think to yourself, I'm entitled to fill in the blank. This is my right. Fill in the blank. Remember this. You just don't have any. The only thing you're entitled to is the eternal judgment and wrath of God, and anything less is grace. Romans chapter 13, remember, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. My goodness, how different a framework would we have? How different people would live what would that do to all these rights movements, all these civil rights and this right and that right and the right to say, listen, I'm just going to say these things. Okay. With regard to abortion, you hear a woman say, this is my right. It's my right to do what I want with my own body. That's not true. Guess what? God gave life, not you. Scientists to this day still cannot create life in a test tube without living matter. You cannot create life from non-living matter. The only person that creates life is God. The only person that gives life is God. So that baby in your womb, guess what? Not yours belongs to God. You don't have the right to snuff it out. Get over it. I don't care what the circumstances. I don't care what the situation. You do not have the right to take a life unless God has given the right in Scripture. And there is nowhere in Scripture that you can support the idea that it is okay to take the life of an unborn baby. What about people who say, it's my right to marry who I want, to be gay, to to lie with another man as I would lie with a woman, to for a woman to lie with another woman as she would lie with a man. Guess what? The Bible says, not your right. God didn't create you that way you don't need to live that way what about the person who says I have a particular desire a particular fetish a particular this a particular that and I have the right to this guess what not your right we only get to do what God says we get to do and the Bible makes it very clear that homosexuality all these perversions all these different things no guess what what does Paul say in Acts 17 hey repent repent God has commanded you to stop the foolishness, stop the ignorance, stop living like you determine who your rights are, what your rights are. It's all a lie. No, you don't get those rights. You were created by God in the image of God. You get to live the way he says you should live, the way we, the way he says we should live. That's the way, those are our rights. Those are our rights. We get to live the way he says we should live. We get to get the things he says we should have. We get to get You know, whatever it is that he says, anything he says we don't get to have, anything he says we, any certain way we don't get to live, guess what? Not ours. Not our rights. What about wealth? What about people who say, well, it's my right to take some wealth from someone who's earned it their whole lives and to redistribute it to somebody else who's never earned it? Uh, the welfare system and other things. What about people who say it's my right to to take this wealth and to to take it and fund the abortion clinic or the uh, gay rights activists or whatever? Not your right. And it's not my right we don't have rights except what god gives us it's so important that you remember that and what is supposed to govern our rights and how we live first corinthians chapter 10 verses 31 through 33 says therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of god do all to the glory of god so whatever we do what should be the guiding principle does this bring glory to god is this in is this consistent with God's Word? What about the person who says, "I'm not a man, I'm a woman, I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. I'm a man trapped in a woman's body, and you so they claim their own set. No, you don't get to do that. That's not the way God created you. God created us. He's given us ways to live, ways to think, ways to do things. Ways to manage our money, ways to, you know, who we should marry, who we shouldn't marry, how we should have sex, how we shouldn't have sex, how we should eat, how we shouldn't eat. All of these things, you know, I used to tell the guys, at what point should I have realized that eating a large pan pizza from Pizza Hut and being chased by a half gallon of Blue Bell homemade vanilla ice cream, at what point should I have realized that that wasn't good for me? But you say, oh, I deserve a break today. Oh, it's okay, go ahead, gorge yourself. Eat yourself to death. It's crazy. We don't have those rights. We don't have those rights. So think about that when you think about what you're entitled to. When you think about what you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to be living. When you think about this week, it's my right. No, it's not.
1: Thank you for listening to Not a Square Inch, the podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. Join us next time. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org.